everyone, and welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have Noah Rabinowitz, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Intel. He joined Intel in 2019 from Deloitte Consulting, where he served as a Managing Director. Thanks so much for joining us today, Noah. Thanks, Matt. Good, good to be here. Happy to be with you. I want to kick us off today with your origin story. You have a master's degree in education from the University of Michigan. How did you originally become so interested in the field of education? Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on how far back you <clears throat> want me to go, really, because I could go way back to my uh, you know, teenage years when I worked in a summer camp, which is, I think where I probably started getting uh, my first experiences with education, if you want to call it that. Um, but in college, uh, I, you know, I studied history and I studied Spanish. And so I, you know, I, I couldn't really say that I was um, necessarily going in any specific career direction. So when I graduated, I started looking for jobs and I found an opportunity overseas in um, the Department of Overseas Education through the State Department. And I moved to South America. I was like, hey, I've been studying Spanish for a really long time. I can move to South America. And I ended up living there for a number of years, um, doing all kinds of uh, training. I also taught at the American School. And, um, you know, it was really a different kind of uh, education at that time. It was, you know, we were still working with overheads and stuff like that. I don't even think PowerPoint existed um, quite yet. And, um, but that's what really got me started. And as I thought about moving back to the US, I was like, gosh, what can I, you know, what can I do now? And I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, have you ever thought about human resources? And I said, what's that? He said, well, it's like, you know, part of it is doing education and teaching and development and all kinds of learning stuff for, you know, companies. And I was like, oh, that sounds, that sounds pretty interesting. I, I think I could, get into that. And so <clears throat> I looked into degree programs for that and um, found uh, the, the adult education um, program at the University of Michigan and started learning all about um, adult education at the same time was doing an internship in, a, in an organization at the University of Michigan with some of the, the professors and staff there um, that was in the, the training space. And I got kind of more immersed into training and development and um, even worked with you know supervisors on on the shop floor in in, in certain plants in, in Michigan and and got labor relations side of things and um, just kept kind of building my uh, skill set I guess and um, after that I I um, had a couple sort of different odd jobs moved back overseas for a little while um, but eventually landed at uh, Lucent Technologies that was before it was um, Alcatel Lucent it was um, Lucent and I was in the uh, the learning and development group there took on a major project uh, around um, solution sales and, and kind of helping with the transformation from what I would say is more of a hardware product orientation into um, a solution and services orientation. And so it was there that I, I came across a consulting company that was actually providing some services for Lucent. Uh, I ended up joining them. Fast forward a little bit, and uh, that company, that smaller boutique consulting company, was uh, was acquired by Corn Ferry. So I became a, 
a corn ferry person and and ended up getting all kinds of new experiences there in leadership development and learning and competency modeling and assessment and coaching. Um, and that was really foundational for me. And I was there for, you know, over a decade um, until I found my way over to Deloitte, where I joined the, the leadership and learning practice. And again, continued to just have some uh, tremendous experiences with some of the best clients in the world and being surrounded by some of the smartest people in the world and, and, a, and a really great learning practice that was, uh, I would say, just really accelerated my, my growth and development. Um, until one day I got a phone call from, from Intel and, uh, and came over here to be uh, Intel's CLO. Yeah, so that's, uh, you know, that's 25 years in, in, in three minutes or so, but uh, it, it's been all about education. I mean, I just, it's been from the classroom to um, the boardroom to the shop floor to going out into the field with, with clients. And uh, it's, it's just been amazing. I mean, I have learned so much and, and I'm passionate about um, the role that, that learning and development and leadership development play for organizations. I want to spend some time talking about Intel and specifically what's going on at the organization. But before I go there, given that you talked about your origin story and the journey that you've been on, some of the listeners yeah. to our show are earlier in their career or are deciding what career to jump into. Before I talk a little bit more about your current role, what is, if you had to give a piece of advice to somebody who was early on in their career, maybe they're in the HR field, maybe they're considering it, maybe they're not, what would be a big piece of advice that you would give your younger self and then as a result, give somebody who was earlier in their career? I think, uh, you know, what, what's been so uh, foundational for me is just the variety of experiences. I, you know, like I said, I've worked um, in manufacturing on the shop floor doing uh, you know, training on uh, certain pieces of machinery from leadership development for high potentials, coaching for executives, assessment for board members. Uh, I've done learning technology. Um, so I've just, I feel like I've really covered the landscape of, of the different disciplines in, in learning and development. And I, I think my advice to somebody who's, who's earlier in their career would be to, to look for those experiences. And don't be overly specific about you know which ones um, you're trying to have and, and in which order. You know, really kind of cast a wider net and rally up or tally up those uh, those experiences because when they when they add up, you, you, it, over time you really kind of realize that it, it gives you this strong foundation and you can start to speak the language of of learning and development <clears throat> and of business. So I, I guess just look for those experiences and be open to, to, to finding them wherever they, you know, they come from. Well, those experiences led you to your current role, which you took in 2019 with Intel. Mm -hmm. What intrigued you about the role and about the company? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, you know, Intel is a, is a 52 year old company that's been uh, massively successful. Um, but is undergoing a, a huge transformation as are many companies uh, The the, the growth areas are, you know, different than what has been the core business for, for, for many, many years. Um, and so any, any time a, a company is undergoing transformation and its markets are changing, uh, that's an opportunity for, for learning to become really, really strategic. And so I just saw the opportunity for leadership development and learning to play this fundamental role in, in Intel's 
business and culture transformation and uh, to to have uh, you know an opportunity to shape that and to work with such a great team and to be in such a <clears throat> a critical role uh, was really exciting for me and not to mention that just it's it's a company that just um, for its entire history has delivered impact uh, and 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 I think uh, going forward um, has the ambitions to to even um, expand that impact and to have this this really important role in the world. I mean, if you just pause for a second, think about everything that we are seeing in terms of change in the world. I mean, Intel's role in all of that work from home, uh, digital medicine, uh, learning from home, and digital education. Uh, you know, um, the, the 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 storage and movement and processing of data, the Internet of Things, and connected buildings you know, autonomous systems and, and mobility. It's, it's just uh, so cool to be working for a company that is at the center of all of that. And that at the same time understands that, that it needs to continue to learn and grow and, and, and evolve to, to be successful in those new markets. It was just like too good of an opportunity to, to not explore. One thing that's fascinating to me is you're joining this massive corporation in the midst of what you would describe as a major and massive transformation. There's many ways that you as a leader can spend your time, but you have to start somewhere. If I took you back to your plan before you took this new role, how did you decide where to start and where to spend the limited time that you had knowing that you wanted to make a major impact on a company that was going through a major transformation? We quickly kind of segmented our work into um, three major bodies of work. We use Agile, so um, nothing ends up looking too big for us. We just kind of go, we'll just take it in pieces. But but those three uh, major segments uh, that we uh, went after is our executive uh, body of work, if you want to call it that, everything, um, executive talent or executive development. Uh, our managers, you know, we have 14,000 or so managers around uh, the world and, and understand the, the, just the crucial role that they play in our transformation. You know, they are the front line. Um, and then our broad um, employee uh, or enterprise upskilling work. Um, so we, we quickly segmented it into those three major you know, buckets or, or categories and, and then began to, to build um, a program around, around each one of those. One thing that you've written about is giant transformations more broadly, and you've referred to it as the Mount Everest of learning. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you meant by that and how you're addressing it? Yeah. So um, the Mount, you know, it, when a company is undergoing transformation, it has to change lots of things. Um, it has to change uh, mindsets. It has to change systems. It has to change technologies. It has to change the way it works, um, the way it meets, the way it makes decisions, um, the way it, it, it funds things, uh, the way teaming happens, really uh, everything. This. It's not because anything about the way it was being done in the past was wrong. It's just because as your ambitions change and change and technologies change and customers change, uh, you've got to change too. And those changes have accelerated um, in pretty significant ways, even pre-COVID. 
So, you know, if you, you layer COVID on top of that and it just, it, 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 it's like exponential, but it, the, the pace of change that the change curve was, was pretty and is pretty significant. And so you take a company of 110 or so thousand people spread across 22 countries with complex organizational structure, complex systems, um, multiple business units in different lines of work with customers that buy and, and, and uh, with different requirements, you go, this is, you know, this is hard work, right? Uh, and so it's, it's, it's one of those awesome challenges that, that don't come around that often in your career. And that's why I did call it the Mount Everest of, of learning transformation, because it's, it's a huge undertaking and it's a multi-year um, type of thing. So, yeah, but uh, hey, you know, one step at a time. You hit on it a bit during that answer, and I want to take it a little bit broader beyond just learning and leadership development. The COVID pandemic caused us to rethink work more broadly, the impact that remote work has had on us as professionals. Given your position, what do you think about for the future? What does a post-pandemic world look like for the workplace? Yeah, so um, one thing to, to kind of uh, point out is that, you know, Intel uh, has a hybrid uh, model because um, we have manufacturing and we have laboratories. And so uh, remote work isn't an option for a, a large part of our, our workforce. So we had to figure out how to keep people going into our um, factories and our labs safely. Um, but a lot of people did uh, go to work from home. We're still doing work from home. And it's it's likely that we'll be doing work from home for for quite some time or some version of it. So we're still figuring out what the, you know, what the ne next normal, I guess, is what people call it now is going to look like. But it will be some kind of a, a hybrid model. Um, and there has been a, a lot of learning that's had to take place. I mean, from the technologies we use to the way we meet, the way we make decisions, the way we team, the way um, information flows, uh, you know, business didn't stop. And, and if anything, for Intel, business picked up, right? Because the, the, the digital boom, I mean, that, that COVID caused, you know, made our products and services even more important to the world. Uh, so... You know, I think it's a work in progress, but yeah, there's been a ton of learning that's gone on. Uh, I'm I'm really thrilled at the way that we've responded, uh, and I'm also really thrilled at the way that the you know the work from home situation with COVID has has just even further emphasized the importance of learning, um, and it's just been a the demand I, I guess for uh, what me and my team do um, has increased uh, significantly. You gave an interview recently where you said, quote, organizations that learn the best as they're going through so much change are the ones that are going to win. And that was the end of the quote. What would you say is the biggest thing you have learned thus far during your time at Intel and maybe that your organization has learned during this transformation that you're going through? Um, you know, I mean, everybody... Uh, talks about that competency called dealing with ambiguity. I think it's become kind of like the, the one of the most important um, capabilities for, for leaders because it, the, the level of ambiguity and uncertainty in the marketplace is, is pretty high. Um, and it's probably just going to continue. I don't, I don't know if there's ever going to necessarily be a, a, a return to sort of some of the more stable 
predictable times that that we enjoyed in the past. And so, uh, you learning becomes this thing that be, has to become continuous, fluid. That you know, we we know that the shelf life of skills is is dropping dramatically. Um, and we also know that there there continues to be a shortage of talent in in a, a lot of the critical domain areas. So you cannot have a a, a, a strategy to win um, on skills that is based 100% on talent acquisition. First of all, it's the 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 supply is not there. Secondly, the um, the cost is pretty high if you if you want to do that. So you've got to be building it from within. You have to have an internal build strategy. Um, on the technical skills and on the leadership skills and on what we call the power skills, which are those sort of fundamentals um, of, of, of doing good work. So um, it's just fluid, it's dynamic, it's ambiguous, and, and learning is, is one of the key strategies, if not the key strategy to thriving. And like I said, winning um, in that environment. You know, there's, there's some of the traditional planning methods some of the tools that we thought of to, to do forecasting and projecting, they're just, they're just not going to do what they're intended to do. So you got to kind of observe and learn um, in this continuous loop. I want to close with two questions more on the personal front. As a leader, what sort of training do you seek out for your own development? And then as a secondary question on the top of that, what do you wish you had more time for? Yeah, so for, on the first question, uh, I've been kind of going off in, in a whole bunch of directions lately, uh, and I've been really personally um, spending a lot of time trying to, to understand this, this sort of three-part link uh, between leadership, uh, employee engagement, and execution. And, and if you want to define execution as sort of the, the ability to, to deliver on the commitments you make, whether those commitments are to your people, to your shareholders, um, to your customers, to your communities. You, you know, every business is, is, is continuously making commitments. And, you know, we look at the final result of how much of that commitment did we um, achieve? Did we, did we miss it? Did we beat it? Did we, did we hit it? And if you begin to unpack, you know, what, what gets you there? Right, and and I've been really interested in the relationship between um, employee engagement, leadership, and that final you know ability to execute or deliver on your commitments. So I've been looking at that through a whole bunch of different lenses, and and what generates engagement, and you know the role that psychological safety plays in that, and empowered decision making, and um, and the kind of culture that you're creating. Um, all uh, factors into that ability to engage your people, uh, which then factors into the ability for them to sort of on daily decision-making, daily micro actions that then add up and cumulatively create that, um, that, that, that ability to execute. So that's been a huge kind of body of learning. I've been coming at it um, from a bunch of different directions from, you know, looking at empathy, looking at psychological safety, looking at, uh, vulnerability, looking at upskilling, um, all kinds of things. Um, and then the second question, what do I ha think, uh, wish I had more time for? I feel like I've gotten to a point uh, in my, I guess in personal development where I'm feeling less stressed about like being pulled in a million directions. I, I don't know if I've just chilled out a little bit or if 
I just figured out how to manage it better. But I, I, I feel, I've been feeling lately like there's time for kind of everything, you know, got a, a family that, you know, that I prioritize, of course, and my own learning and my team and um, our learning and development. And, you know, and it's it just, um, I, I feel like I've gotten better at that. So I, I don't really have um, a specific thing right now where I feel like it's getting shortchanged. And if I forced you to give a piece of advice to your younger self, I, I started the conversation by asking you for advice for somebody who was earlier in their career. If I forced you to give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would that piece of advice be? You know, I kind of really wish that I had learned uh, finance maybe a little bit earlier. I know that sounds like a boring answer, like, hey, I should have learned finance, but uh, finance is the language of, of business and um, as the, the sooner you can get that skill uh, in, in, you know, in your um, tool bag, I think the stronger it, it gives you that credibility and that foundation to stand on. Like, hey, I really understand how businesses measure themselves, how uh, investors look at a business and really look at, you know, return on investment, business cases, um, and how to really strengthen the arguments that you're making. I, I feel confident in the relationship between learning and finance and learning and ROI, but it took me a long time to get there. And uh, I think if, if, if I could kind of do it over again, I might have started um, with the end in mind that way. Well, that's a wonderful spot to shift to the final two rapid fire questions that I get to ask all of our guests. And question number one, this, if you could describe your leadership style in only one word, what would that word be? I think for me, it would be people. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what comes first. And for me, that's everything. And the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? Oh, geez. I, and I, I know I, I can't attribute it to my, uh, my father, but uh, because I don't think he came up with the quote, but he definitely said it a lot. And he would always tell me if you're uh, if you're on time, you're late, and if you're early, you're on time. So one of my uh, things that have just stuck with me over the years is be punctual, show up on time, because it's a way of of telling the person who, that you're meeting with that you that you respect their time, and uh, that's always stuck with me. So thanks, Dad. <laughs> Well, punctuality is a great spot to close us out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Yeah, uh, I put pretty much everything I'm doing out on my LinkedIn page. So linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Noah G. Rabinowitz. Well, thank you for all the great insight and thank you to all our great listeners for joining us. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. And we truly appreciate it when you share our show with your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer. You can find our show on Instagram at Learn to Lead Podcast. And you can find our organization at ability.com. Be sure to subscribe so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast. Thank you.